Brandon Marshall. Noah Syndergaard. I'm Andrew Glunquist. I'm Jamal Adams. The World Series champion, Kino Martinez. Two-time Olympic gold medalist and World Cup champion, Tobin Heath. And you're listening to Danielle McCartan on 60 Minute Overtime. On WRPR. www.prosportsrundown.com at Coach Carton. Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Well, it's been a long time coming, but I am back in the saddle here and ready to go with the best of sports content for you guys. So um, you heard it in the, my brand new intro with some big name players uh, giving me a shout out to in my intro there. So yeah, my website is prosportsrundown.com. Twitter, you guys are following along on Periscope right now. Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. I got the video simulcast on both. Uh, SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan. And also, I've also... Put my stuff on blogtalkradio.com. That's slash Danielle McCartan. Got a stacked show, as always. Uh, like to welcome you guys, brand new followers. Uh, it's been a while. So uh, I've been on, in the meantime, I've been on WFAN a couple times. I will be back on WFAN, for those of you guys that are wondering, Thanksgiving night. I'll be back on WFAN. But for now, this is what we're doing every Sunday, 10 a.m. Uh, I hope that you guys can call in. Maybe we'll get some phone callers. It's 201-825-1234. Today's guests, which are pre-recorded, Brendan Nemo, Nemo, Nemo in Italian, Mickey Calloway, Doc Gooden, Daryl Strawberry. Topics for today, on the table, we have Giants and Falcons, Vikings and Jets, Jacob deGrom. Is he going to be the NL Cy Young winner? Look ahead, brief look ahead to the World Series, and my... One of my favorite segments that I do here is what what the F. What the F segment. That's what we're going to close with. So, here we are. The Giants are trying to salvage the season after a 1-5 start. 1-5 dismal, gloomy, dreary start. And there's been a lot of stuff happening with the Giants. And let me try to keep it very simple and streamlined. Basically, what is happening with the Giants is when losing brings out the worst of people. Okay, losing brings out the worst of people. You're one in five. You're expected on paper to be a playoff team, and you're just not. So earlier in this week, owner, Giants owner, John Mara, told the gathered members of the media, and he sent a message to the $95 million man, Odell Beckham Jr. He said he wishes Odell Beckham Jr. did a little more playing and a little less talking. So Beckham responded on Friday, I respect and value his opinion, obviously. That's what we're going to do. Focus on Atlanta right now. And that's about it. Oh, and then there's also this sidebar that Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't like water. Well, that sounds like it's going to be a uh, uh, an endorsement deal right off the bat. Because remember the touchdown uh, celebration uh, with the Jets? And he wiped his butt with the football and he threw it into the stands? Guess what? He had an endorsement the next day for, I think they're called, something called Man Wipes or something. So this sounds like Odell's going to be getting yet another endorsement deal out of the fact that he doesn't like water. But anyway, because that came out, because he left the field with his offense still on the field at halftime in week six. A couple seconds before, but still. So the, the report is out there that he needed an IV and he's dehydrated. So that's that. Here's uh, Odell on Eli Manning at his locker on Friday. Say, take me home, Tim. Uh, which to me carries weight because he's been there. He knows how to win. He knows what he's doing. He's the most prepared of anybody I've ever seen. Um, and 
that's exactly what I say. I take me home. So uh, we're gonna start picking it up. We got to. We have no. Other- we got to start picking it up. He is behind Eli Manning, but then there was that whole thing about how he went on TV with with Lil Wayne, and he didn't really have exactly sort of confidence. It was like a non-answer in his quarterback Eli Manning, and here he is on Friday. Whether or not he really does believe in it, he did say it. And then Sterling Shepard went and tweeted, I have total faith in Eli Manning. We're going to ride with him. Well, of course you're going to ride with him. Because (laughs) Sterling Shepard and Odell Beckham Jr. and Evan Ingram and all those guys, Saquon Barkley, they need Eli Manning to succeed. Okay, so listen. If if the Giants were winning, this whole disaster, this whole firestorm, this whole everything would not be happening. And let me tell you something. I had an experience with Odell Beckham Jr. last week at Pro Camps. He had a women's camp. And the video is on the highlight video by Matt Sichtermans, my friend Matt, is on my Facebook page. It's on my Twitter page. It's on my YouTube. But let me tell you something. I was going in there and I was expecting Odell Beckham Jr., the locker room cancer. I, I was, that's, that's, I'm sorry, but that's what I thought I was going to run into. And instead, I got this guy, this beaming, 25-year-old guy, he's catching passes, he's having fun, he's, he's running routes, and he doesn't have to do that because he just made $95 million, $65 million guaranteed. And here he is doing a camp. Uh, before that, the camp started for women, he went upstairs and he had a, a meet and greet with, with kids. And before that, he was in ShopRite doing a, a, a meet and greet with 250 fans in ShopRite in Morristown, I think it was. So, sure... I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., he he surprised me. He's fun. He's engaging. He's a 25-year-old guy. But he does need to grow up. But he also likes to win as as, as much as the rest of the guys in that locker room. He's a lightning rod. He brings it upon himself by... Remember, he punched the kicking net. He headbutted the sideline fan. Not a person. The actual fan two weeks ago. And what this guy needs is a mentor. And that's why I thought bringing Brandon Marshall in was crucial for that Giants team last year. Brandon Marshall, in my opinion, is an older Odell Beckham Jr. And what happens is you don't give up on talent. See, you have to scaffold Odell Beckham Jr. into some sort of a positive role on the field. He needs some sort of, I don't know, if it's anger management courses that he needs, then you get him anger management courses, John Mara. But you don't give up on talent. The guy's the most electrifying wide receiver in, in the NFL. Put the, I, I liken this last week to Keyshawn Johnson. Remember when he said, just give me the damn ball? And he wrote that book, just give me the damn ball? That's all Eli Manning needs to do. He needs to just give Odell Beckham the damn ball and let him do what he can do. Someone says Odell Beckham is a problem on the field. Can't have your best player be a wide receiver. Why not? And people would argue that Saquon Barkley is the Giants' best player right now. So the Giants are stacked on paper. But they need to corral Odell Beckham Jr. into some sort of leadership role, positive leadership role. And when I compared him to Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marshall was the same way with the Bears. And then he came to the Jets, and then he went to the Giants, and now he's with the, the Seahawks. But when he was here, this is back in 2016, we, we've been talking about Odell Beckham Jr. This is what Brandon Marshall said to me when I asked him 
if he sees himself in a young Odell Beckham Jr. And at this point, he was on the Jets. He was not his teammate at this point in time. Do you see a lot of yourself in Odell Beckham as a young player? There you go again, <laughs> NFL today. We need to leave Odell alone. He'll be fine. We need to leave Odell Beckham alone. He'll be fine. Well, someone said, leaders drink water. Be responsible to be on the field at all times. You don't always have to drink water. I mean, I have water here right now, but I do prefer Gatorade, actually. Um, so at that point in, in, the, in this scrum interview, people were piling on about Odell Beckham Jr., Odell Beckham Jr., and if you look at the video, there's a little bit of surprise on his face. He's calling me NFL today. He'll be fine. Odell Beckham is just going to be fine if the Giants can provide him some sort of, of leadership, I don't know, counseling. I don't know. Because uh, let's face it, the guy is the face of the of the Giants. The guy is the face of the NFL. And speaking of face, when I was very up close with him, I noticed on his what is that called the eye tooth, the canine tooth, he has a cross on his tooth. And then I looked online; it's made out of diamonds. He's got a diamond cross on his teeth. I mean, I guess that's maybe one of the first things I would do if I win this Mega Billions drawing this week. Get a diamond cross on my teeth. I'll take your Giants calls after the break if you have any. 201-825-1234. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. I'm Henrik Lundqvist, goaltender for the New York Rangers, and you're listening to Danielle McCartan on 60 Minute Overtime. The Giants, they have no time for no haters, as Rihanna tells you. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why I picked this song is because the Giants are playing in Atlanta coming up tomorrow on Monday Night Football. And guess this guy? This guy's from Atlanta, T.I. So, and by the way, have you heard the rumor about Rihanna turning down the Super Bowl in support of Colin Kaepernick? That's a topic for another day. But anyway, so the Giants are traveling down to... The Atlanta to take on the Falcons in that brand new, beautiful stadium. What is it called? Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I need to get there. You know what the best part about that stadium is? The best part about that stadium is that they price it for the regular people. I think beers are like $4. Go to MetLife Stadium, they're like 14 So it's all priced for like the everyday person, which I actually love. So I hope to get down there one day. Uh, and you guys know that have followed me for years that I do a lot of work with Mohamed Sanu from the Falcons as well. And, you know, earlier in the week, I posted a, a, a Twitter poll on, my, on my, my Twitter page, and I asked, which of the following four players would you select on your team if you were the Giants? With no contract considerations. Like, which of these guys would you straight up take? And, the, you know, I gave uh, Jones and, and Sanu and, and Matt Ryan, and actually, Matt Ryan, with like 38% of the vote, one. Giants fans, that was interesting. I thought that was interesting. That Giants fans out of even Julio Jones 
they would prefer to take Matt Ryan instead. Ooh. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But anyway, so Giants are traveling down to Atlanta. They're hosting the, 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 the Falcons are hosting the Giants in the brand new Mercedes-Benz domed stadium, 8.15 p.m. Eastern. Uh, yeah, I won't be watching the entire show, the entire game. I, I have to go to bed, so I guess that makes me, quote-unquote, not a Giants fan, but uh, I guess I'm not a fan of any team. So the Giants are in crisis mode. They were embarrassed last week on, on Thursday Night Football by the Super Bowl defending champions, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Falcons also, they're 2-4. and four. Giants are 1-5. and five. The Falcons are 2-4. and four. They are also experiencing a letdown season. But last week, I mean, I think they're on the uptick. Because last week, they, they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Matt Ryan, 354 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. So that's what the Giants are going up against um, this week, tomorrow night. And I got three Giants keys to victory. Number one, score points. Duh, right? Obviously. So the Falcons average just about 28 points per game, which is ninth best in the league. But they allow 32 points per game. That's where the problem occurs for them. Now the Giants are well under. They, they only score 20 points a game, the Giants. And they give up 27, so that's the problem for them. But the Giants need to keep pace with the Falcons because the Falcons have weapons upon weapons, and just like the Giants do. But as of right now, I think that Matt Ryan is a better quarterback than Eli Manning as of today. The Giants just have to put points on the board. It's, I know it's been tough, and you know the defense has got to step up too. A nice, timely, momentous stop would help out that offense. And again, give it to Odell Beckham Jr. Up the, up. A slant route up the middle. That's what he's the best in. Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't found the end zone. We're entering week seven. He has not found the end zone as a wide receiver yet this year. Yet Eli Manning is, is targeting the third string tight end last week in the red zone. I mean, what is the problem with that? There is a problem with the play scheme, the play calling scheme on offense, just as Odell Beckham said. I think the article I wrote was Odell Beckham tells the truth, states the obvious, that there is a problem with that. If you don't see... The, the problem with the Giants' best wide receiver not getting the ball in his hands in the red zone situation, then there's something wrong with you. And not only the first wide, you know, first team wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., but then to check down Evan Ingram, to check down Saquon Barkley. Now you're on the 4th, 5th, 10th. Why don't I just go out there and catch a ball? So that's the problem. The play calling is the problem. And a little bit of Eli Manning... Uh, Sprinkled in there. Number two, Giants key to victory. Make Atlanta run the ball. Devontae Freeman, out. He was my running back uh, of my fantasy team last year, and he was amazing. This year, he's out. He's got groin surgery scheduled. Uh, he did it uh, two days ago in, in Philadelphia. He's on the injured reserve. He is O-U-T out. He had 68 yards on 14 attempts so far this season, but the since he, he, he left, the Falcons' ground game, absolutely in a tailspin. They're among, and I looked this up, they're among the league's worst in rushing yards, yards per attempt, average yards a game, and fumbles. So for the New York Giants to win this game, they have to dare Atlanta to beat them on the ground. And guess what? I think the Giants are happy to do that since Olivier Vernon is back from injury. Because in his first game back last week, he was the Giants' highest graded defensive player according to Pro Football Focus. In one game, he had six pressures. 
which included one sack, one quarterback hit, and four quarterback hurries. That's what you need. And Shermer said of Olivier Vernon, he creates a pass rush. When you add a player like that, he's disruptive. Hopefully he can bring that or build on that performance from last week. So they're expecting bigger things from Olivier Vernon. Monday Night Football. And then Landon Collins has been great against the run. He's the seventh best run stop percentage among all safeties. So the Giants need to dare the Falcons to run the ball this week. Because if they do that, the odds are going to tip in their favor. Now, third thing, the third key to victory for the Giants. Evan Ingram's probable return. So the return of him, he's one of the most dynamic play makers on the Giants offense as well. Guess what? Just having him on the field, uh, that draws the defenders a little bit tighter than his replacement, third string Scott Simonson. Two receptions for 31 yards in like four weeks. So that, theoretically, will free up some coverage on Odell Beckham Jr. At least for an instant. And Manning, who is going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, needs to recognize that instant of mismatch. He's got to see it at the line of scrimmage. He's got to anticipate that split-second window in which Odell Beckham Jr. will be open. He's got to hit him in stride. Because Beckham Jr. has game-altering playmaking ability. So just give him the damn ball. Now for the Falcons to win this game, the key, number one, Matt Ryan. Because if the Falcons are going to have the same standard of their running game that they've had all season, which is absolutely atrocious... Well, it's going to fall on the shoulders of Matt Ryan, specifically his right shoulder. But he's capable of that challenge because guess what? Matt Ryan is among the best of the league in quarterback rating, fourth, total yards, third, touchdowns, tied for fourth. And he hasn't he's 31st in interceptions and yards per game, he's fifth. Guess what? The Giants enter play with the league's 23rd ranked passing defense. Matt Ryan can pick apart this Giants defense, as he's been doing all year. So for the Falcons to win, obviously, Matt Ryan's got to have a big day. If you have him on your fantasy team, I'd, I'd pick him up if you don't have him. Or if you are able to pick him up, I would. Matty Ice, they said he's dealing through the first six games. Let's see if he makes it seven. Now, the Giants offensive line has been dealt another blow. Patrick Omame is out. So now they have to come up with, I think it's maybe the fourth combination of offensive linemen in seven weeks, which is not helping Eli Manning or anybody, because they finally seem to have gotten it down. And then this happens. But through week six, they rank at the bottom of the league in pass blocking, in pass blocking efficiency, and Eli only has 2.3 seconds until he's got a hand in his face, a guy in his face. 2.3 seconds. That's 29th best in the league out of 32 teams. Come on, man. Come on. Yet, yet Will Hernandez, who I wanted the Giants to draft, and if you follow me, you know that, he's, one of, he's I think, the fifth best offensive lineman. I think. I think that was the stat. So 2A, key number 2A, exploit the Giants' offensive line, which leads to 2B, the pass rush. Dan Quinn, after they played the Saints, was not happy with the, the pass rush against the Saints. So they have this guy, the defensive tackle, Grady Jarrett. 
he did practice on Thursday. He was sidelined for two weeks. They think he might be back, and that's bad news for the Giants. And Derek Shelby also returned to practice Thursday. That's also bad news for the Giants. So uh, and remember, they're not playing today. They're playing tomorrow. So that's an extra little, I don't know, day of rest for these guys. So the bottom line, well, I think it's going to be a shootout-style style game. Will it finally awaken the Giants' grossly underperforming offense? Does that mean they're going to score over 19.5 points a game where they're averaging? Sure, I think so. But I don't think it's going to be enough points to beat the Atlanta Falcons. Both of Atlanta's wins came at home this season. This week, they're wearing all black, which I like those uniforms. Not that that matters at all, but the fans are going to be really into this because they're calling on them to wear black. It's going to be a blackout at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And the fans love that when they you know dress in, in one unison color and all that. So the point being, Mercedes-Benz Stadium seems to be a, a tough place to play if you're an opponent. Even without Freeman. Matt Ryan is going to be the catalyst. He's going to lead them to victory. And just like Odell Beckham Jr. threw a double pass, touchdown to Saquon Barkley, I need you to keep an eye on Mohamed Sanu because guess what? He was also on my fantasy team last year, and he also did the same thing. He threw like a 67-yard pass, which I thought counted twice as a fantasy owner, but I wanted it to count twice, but, you know, it didn't. So the point spread had stayed constant throughout the week. Last night, Giants were 5.5 point underdogs. And I think they're going to lose by four points, actually. So I think uh, my final score prediction, Falcons 27, Giants 24. Let's lock that in. And let me end with Odell Beckham Jr. as we started this segment. Um, I think that we're one and five, and we need to start winning games. Everybody needs to pick it up. I need to play better. I can't say that I've had my best games. I can't say that I've done enough to help this team win, and I need to do more. Everybody needs to do more. Everybody's got to pick it up. Um, we win games together. We lose them together. There's no there's no other way around it. It's a team sport. And on to the Jets after the break. No matter where they are, the restless imagine being somewhere else. And when they get there, they do things most people can only imagine. That's why we made the all-new Jeep Cherokee with its exclusive select terrain system for class-leading capability for wherever you find yourself. I'm Jamal Adams, safety of New York Jets. You are listening to Daniel McCartney on 60-Minute Overtime. Michael Buble, feeling good. Just like all the Jets fans in the land, Jets fans are feeling good. At 3-3, three and three, that is pretty much as good as they thought they were going to be this season. And guess what? They're already there. They've already won three games. So they welcome the Minnesota Vikings at 3-2-1 and one to MetLife Stadium today at 1 o'clock kickoff. Jets are 3-3, three and three, looking to go 3 Four and three, which is, I think, exceeding expectations. This is going to be a major test for the Jets. And more specifically, 
rookie quarterback, Sam Darnold. The Jets got their guy, Sam Darnold. Guess what? It's 44 degrees right now. I just checked. And kickoff, it's supposed to be 47 degrees. And the Meadowlands is known for its winds. And let me tell you, there's winds at the Meadowlands when there's not winds outside of the Meadowlands. And on the way in today, to the studio today, let me tell you this. Debris was flying everywhere. Everywhere. Boxes going across the road. Styrofoam this in the middle of the road. Some guy put his garbage out and it was knocked over into the middle of the road. So what I'm trying to say is the winds at the Meadowlands are going to have an immense factor on this game. Immense downfield passes, you know, Myers, the Jets kicker, he was coming off a performance where he, he set a record. He was 7-for-7 seven seven in field goal attempts last week. It's not going to be the same this week because they're not going to try it. I wouldn't try it. The winds, I, I, I don't even know what the, I think they said gusting up to 40 miles an hour today. I would not want to be sitting in my life stadium today outside in the cold. And I'm from New Jersey. So guess what? This is going to be Sam Darnold's coldest game he's ever played in. Maybe, possibly, because his up till this point, the first game he ever played at USC was forty-five degrees. And I and I did a little research here. The average, obviously, he's, he's from California. He played in Southern California for college. The average of all his college starts, temperature-wise, seventy-one, seventy-one today and right now it's forty-four. So that is going to be a huge number one test for Sam Darnold. It also features today the return of Sheldon Richardson, another storyline, to MetLife Stadium. I mean, he was a good enough player. Never really maximized his potential. Was accused of being lazy. But he's doing all right there. And finally, the third and final big storyline of the game for today is Kirk Cousins. Is he returning to MetLife Stadium after snubbing the Jets in free agency? The Jets were set to back up the truck, give him all the money he wanted, and Kirk Cousins said, nah, I'll go to my <laughs> freezing cold Minnesota instead. But, you know, I think I think the Jets are better off without him. I was not one of the people that was so high on Kirk Cousins that they needed to get him at any cost. That was not me. I didn't go back and look. Because you can do a lot more with the Jets' offense and defense or whatever, you could spend a lot more money, obviously, if you don't have to pay a quarterback. And Sam Darnold, he's under his rookie contract. So the Jets, they need to pile on now. They need they need to get some guys now. And then, obviously, deal with Sam Darnold's contract as it comes up. But, you know, to front load this in, in a rebuilding year with Kirk Cousins' huge contract, I, I was okay with that. When you look at this season... Kirk Cousins beats Sam Darnold in most statistics, though. But, most importantly, Darnold puts up more offensive points per game. And isn't that the most important thing? Who cares about quarterback rating? Who cares about all yards per game, yards per attempt? If Darnold is putting up more points, that's what ultimately wins games. So, I'm okay with this. And by the way, the Jets wide receivers... Okay, I know you guys are in love with Robbie Anderson, and I know you guys are in love with Quincy Nunwa. Nunwa, okay, I understand that part, but the receivers of the Jets are nowhere near the caliber of the receivers of, of the Vikings. So can you imagine putting the Vikings receivers on the Jets and kind of flop it and sw- switch swapping them? I mean, come on. Darnold, 
his stats would grow exponentially. So, as of right now, where where the Jets sit, I'm happy with it. I think they need a wide receiver. In, in you know some some stud, they got to bring him in because that's what that's what the Jets need. But today, one o'clock, some matchups to watch. I have four. Uh, the Vikings wide receivers we were just talking about versus the Jets depleted secondary. I have for those of you guys watching. Uh, on my simulcast on facebook.com slash Coach McCartan and on Periscope at Coach McCartan. I am wa- wearing my Jamal Adams t-shirt here. New Jack City Jets secondary is going to be in all jacked up today, I think, in a bad way. Because Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, the wide receivers wearing purple, they've got almost 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns on the season. And when Kirk Cousins throws it their way, he's got a 110 quarterback rating. The highest is like 153. And also, the depleted secondary of the Jets. Tremaine Johnson, out. Buster Screen, out. Marcus May, out. That is a bad combination there. And number two matchup to watch is Sam Darnold's Arsenal. Vikings, for sure, are going to mix coverages. They're going to make it as confusing for Darnold as possible. Something that the Colts did not do last week. And they lost. The Colts played primarily man-to-man, which is too easy for a rookie quarterback. Confuse him at the line. If you confuse him at the line, you drop a guy back in coverage that wasn't supposed to be there looking at it at the line. It's going to be a long day for Sam Tarnold. By the way, as I mentioned, Quincy Inunua, he's out for, for today. And the team released, which I thought was a real curious move, they released Terrell Pryor yesterday. He was benched with a groin injury, and he was going to be hurt anyway. But that guy, they didn't give him a chance. When the when I was watching and the ball was thrown his way, he was a physical receiver. He made the plays happen, and, and that's sort of a, a head-scratching move for me, I think. I think, I mean, of course there's opportunity that he's going to come back, but he's not too high on coming back. So uh, I just wish he got a better shake here, Terrell Pryor. That's it. And by the way, the Vikings' defense is actually exceptional in the red zone. And the Jets' offense isn't that good in it. The big play has to be there for the Jets today. And with this wind, it's going to be hard. And by the way, Vikings' backup, McKenzie, uh, he's a cornerback, McKenzie Alexander, should be tested. They should go after him. You know why? Because he's given up 21 catches on 24 targets. I'm not the biggest fan of Robbie Anderson, but if you can put him over the top and throw it 30 yards down the field, that's all you need because he's got explosive speed. Hopefully, he's matched up with Alexander, and hopefully Darnold could see that. And boom, there you go. There's the big play that the Jets need because they are not that good in the red zone. Number Number three, the Vikings' defensive line. I love this. Whenever I make a, a... create a player in football games. I always have to select the name Daniel. Daniel McCartan. I haven't tried since Danielle Hunter has gotten into the league, but there is a guy on the Vikings defense, and his name is Danielle Hunter. He's third in the NFL in quarterback pressures, 29. He's second in the league in sacks. 
Meanwhile, Sheldon Richardson is sixth among interior defensive linemen and pressures. So if you're asking me who's going to win this battle, I say the Vikings' defensive line. But if I had to pick between the Giants' offensive line and the Jets' offensive line, I'm picking the Jets. They are better. So we'll see. We'll see how this works. And, and by the way, Sam Darnold is a little bit more mobile than Eli Manning. He can make some plays happen with his legs and extend some drives. We knew that as he was coming in to the league. I think the biggest thing, though, besides, I think the number one thing is the depleted secondary and the wide receivers of, of the Vikings versus the Jets secondary. But second thing, number four, I don't know why it's number four, but the Vikings, they've lost six fumbles this year, second most in the NFL. Five of those six lost fumbles, Kirk Cousins. He says, I think the statistic that stands out most is the turnovers that the Jets have created. The Jets have forced a turnover on 19% on offensive drives, which is good for fourth in the NFL. The Jets are second in the league with 15 takeaways. And most importantly, out of all, if you took nothing out of what I just said, any of it, know this. The Jets have scored 45 points after turnovers, after they've taken the ball away. That's going to be big. Kind of cool little side note here. With prior leaving, which I didn't like, but the Jets promoted a uh, guy's name is Dante Burnett, wide receiver from the practice squad, to the big time today. Why is that cool? Because he and Sam Darnold played together and had a lot of success together at USC. So fam- where familiarity is, uh, you know, maybe maybe that guy's going to have a big game today. Because if he's been targeted him uh, throughout college, why not at the NFL? Billy D, great to see you back on Periscope as well. Sixty-minute overtime, hurry up offense with Danielle McCartan. So today's sixty-minute uh, overtime hurry up offense is brought to you by Boone Enterprises and Authentic Autographs today. Today, in-store in Pompton Plains, New Jersey, will be New Jersey Devils defenseman Will Butcher. You can bring your own equipment or buy items in-store. Butcher is going to be there from 2 to 4 p.m. in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. That's at Boone Enterprises Authentic Autographs. In MLB action, MLB playoffs, the new news waking up this morning, the World Series is set. Boston Red Sox will represent the American League, and the Los Angeles Dodgers will represent the National League in the Fall Classic. Dodgers beat the Milwaukee Brewers in a decisive Game 7 last night. Game 1 of the World Series is set for Tuesday, 8.09 p.m. NHL, the New Jersey Devils. In a Saturday afternoon matinee, the Devils lost to the Flyers in Philadelphia with a final score of 5-2. Impressively, five different Flyers scored their goals. And after losing 4-3 in overtime, that heartbreaker against the Washington Capitals in D.C. on Wednesday... The 2-4 Rangers will look to bounce back against the 4-3 Calgary Flames tonight, 7 p.m. at the Garden. The game will be televised on the MSG Network. Last night, the New York Knicks hosted the Boston Celtics at the Garden. The Celtics edged the Knicks 103-101. Tim Hardaway Jr. was the high scorer for the Knicks with 24 points. And Jason Tatum was the high scorer for the Celtics, also 24 points. Also in action last night, the Brooklyn Nets traveled to Indiana, where they lost to the Pacers. Brutally, 132-112, to 112, despite Joe Harris's 32 points, which led all scorers. 
And like I've been saying, the New York Jets are set to host the Minnesota Vikings at MetLife Stadium this afternoon. Action begins at 1 p.m. Eastern on CBS. And the New York Giants have touched down in Atlanta for their Monday night showdown with the Falcons. Kickoff set for 8.15 p.m. Eastern tomorrow night. I'm Danielle McCartan, and that was your 60-minute overtime hurry-up offense. Well, we made it through another Halloween without getting eaten. And this year was a close one. Yeah, tell me about it. Ooh, you feel that chill? I don't feel anything. Uh, this can't be good. I'm Dylan Batanzas, pitcher for the New York Yankees, and you're listening to Danny McCartan on 60 Minutes Overtime. Are you ready? Oh. Is you ready? Ready? You say you ready? Oh. Whole squad ready? Ready? Is you ready? Huh? Are you ready? Ready? Is you ready? Whole squad oh. ready? We came here to see. So this is uh, the official playoff song for the MLB playoffs this year. Migos. It's called Is You Ready? And some short. Look into the World Series here. It doesn't matter who the opposing team is. The Red Sox are going to dominate them. Comes down to the fact that the three most dominant teams in the MLB this season, over 100 win teams, were all in the American League. The Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Astros. Sure, a team could get lucky. But luckily, unlike the wild card play-in game, which is ridiculous, this is the World Series as it should be played. The best team will win. Side note, if you listen to me on WFAN when I was with JJ, he likes the wild card play-in game. I don't like the wild card play-in game. Not because I'm a Yankee fan. Because I've I've interviewed and I've talked to WNBA players after (laughs) this the whole series, every basketball series, baseball series, one wild card game, that's like me as a teacher teaching you one way and then I'm going to test you a completely different way. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's not a good barometer, litmus test uh, of what you have. So the wild card game, I hate it. Not because I like the Yankees, because I, I like New York teams, because it's bull. So speaking of the best team winning, I've had people ask me on Twitter what I thought about the play with uh, Jose Altuve's two-run home run. Uh, And then it was Mookie Betts. You know the play. You've seen it. His glove closes as the ball's arriving, bounces back onto the field, and then it's called an out. So... What's my take on it? Well, I actually went back to the rules, the actual rules of the game. And I put it into a series of two tweets. One saying, the rule is, if the spectator interference clearly prevents a fielder from catching a fly ball, the umpire shall declare the batter out. The words I'm hung up on are clearly prevents. Because just like we can't assume any double plays happen in the MLB, we cannot assume that Mookie Pets is going to catch that ball three feet into the stands, jumping, climbing the wall. You can't assume that. So rule one of two, I say X that out. You can't assume he was going to catch that. Two of two. The rule is no interference shall be allowed 
when a fielder reaches over the fence, railing, rope, or onto a stand to catch a ball. He does so at his own risk. Betts did so at his own risk. Therefore, no interference should have been called that night. None. The Red Sox really got away with one because that two-run home run was actually an out, but it was supposed to tie the game. It was definitely the turning point in the game and of the entire series. And they reviewed it and they reviewed it 150, 200 times over again that night. And they still came up with the wrong call. So what happened? What should have happened was Rob Manfred should have got out in front of all this and made you know a, a little press conference or, or, or issued a statement the next day explaining this rule and how they, they arrived at the decision that in fact it wasn't out. That's what a good commissioner would do. So that tells me that even he knows it was wrong. But anyway, uh, this final Mets game of the season, I actually got to cover at City Field, and I wanted to share with you guys the interview I had with Brendan Nimmo, Nemo in Italian, on the field after the game. And if you, the visual is even cooler than just the audio. So if you wanted to check that out, go to youtube.com slash coach, uh, type in the search box, coach. McCartan, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-M. This is, this is like one of the coolest things I, I've done so far to this date. you got to see it to believe it. So here's me and Brendan Nimmo postgame from the Mets' final game of the season. With Brendan Nimmo, uh, one of the, the all-stars of the Mets this year. I had, I, on WFAN Radio, I made a case for you to be an actual all-star. It didn't work out this year, but looking forward to next year, what do you think? Next year, we're just trying to really build off of this uh, strong finish we had. Uh, we played really well as a team, you know, to finish up this year, and uh, really hoping to be able to take that into next year, that momentum. And uh, for me, there's a lot of things I can improve on, and uh, you know, if I can improve on this season, uh, you know, maybe I will be that kind of all-star caliber. But uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's a new year, you start fresh, and uh, kind of just have to have to start new and, and be fresh thinking and. Uh, work on the things, work on your weaknesses, and, and try and keep your strengths. Yeah, you are one of the, the most exciting players to watch this season. How are you going to sustain that through next year? Um, you know, like I said, you know, trying to work on the weaknesses, keep the strengths. Sometimes when you go and work on your weaknesses, you can start to uh, uh, lose your strengths a little bit. So it's trying to maintain and build on things. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where the league is going to try and make adjustments to me, and uh, I'll continue to have to make adjustments to them. And so it's just going to continue to be a cat and mouse game for hopefully a long career. But uh, you know, it's one of those things where you just got to make adjustments in baseball and, and try and uh, try and give it your best effort each and every day. Yeah. Now, is there a world in which Degrom does not win the Cy Young Award? Uh, so you know, some people would argue, you know, a little more old school on you know the wins and losses and all that. But um, I just don't see it. You know, I see him as the most dominant pitcher this year by any case. And um, you know, unfortunate that he didn't get some wins, but those weren't under his control. And so uh, he's going off based off of everything that he can control. Uh, I think he's he's your side young this year. David Wright. Yeah. Being here for this weekend, was it guys too? Who was David Wright, the captain of the Mets? Yeah, David. David's been a great example for us uh, his whole career, and uh, you know he's kept in touch with the, even us young guys right from the beginning. And, um, you know, he's someone who you should model your career after. He's someone who's beloved by everyone, and um, you know we definitely want to try and be like him. And, and he won't be forgotten. He 
he's gonna he's gonna continue to be around the sun and and uh, you know we're all gonna try and mimic uh, that kind of impact that he had on, on this on this fan base. So uh, I think you just take you know what he what he did by example and you try and put that into your own career. And final question: plans for the off season? Uh, you know, right now it's you know go back enjoy some time with some family. Um, you know, I'll be home base here in New York and uh, looking forward to that, but. You know, just relaxing and trying to get this hamstring right and, uh, you know, get everything healthy. Hope to see you around this afternoon. Yeah. It's with you. Thank you very much. Congrats on the good It's Halloween night and trick-or-treaters are near. Did you stock up on Butterfinger this year? Give them their crispity, crunchity, peanut buttery treat. No tricks, just Butterfinger. This is Noah Syndergaard, pitcher for the New York Mets. You're listening to 60-Minute Overtime on WRPR. So simply the best. And you heard Brandon Nimmo preview it in that interview. Uh, before we get into the, the Cy Young competition, someone uh, wants to know, or let me see, who asked that question on Facebook? Uh, oh, Patrick Vecchio. He said, hi, Danielle, what's your prediction for the World Series? Mine is Dodgers in seven, Red Sox in five. That's mine. Red Sox in five. They're just too dominant. Speaking of dominant, though, Cy Young competition. Not because we are in the New York market, but because the facts and the numbers don't lie. Jacob deGrom should be the NL Cy Young winner this year. They're, they announced it in early November, but we all know who's going to win it, or should win it at least. deGrom, the only thing holding him back is that he's got 10 wins on the season. But there's no way, there was no way for him to get more than 10 wins. Because you know why? Because the Mets, I said the Jets, the Mets, they couldn't give him the run support. Of all the starting pitchers in all of Major League Baseball in the 2018 regular season, DeGrom's run support average per start, 3.53. Second worst only to Cole Hamels, 3.34. Again, DeGrom has the second least amount of run support among any pitcher in the MLB. That, of course, translates to only 10 wins. So in terms of winning the Cy Young Award with DeGrom's qualification of 10 wins, history is not on his side. There have only been four NL Cy Young winners since 1967 with less than 10 wins. Luck is not on his side either because his stiffest competition, Nationals' Max Scherzer, has compiled 18 wins this season. But besides that, DeGrom dominates his competition in every other category including, in my opinion, the most important, earn-run average. He's got a lot of guys going to bat for him in my interviews with all of these guys. So you're going to hear from a lot of guys saying that what he can control, he controlled. So the first up, making a case for Jacob deGrom, is a Cy Young winner, World Series winner, one of the best pitchers to ever wear the Mets and even Yankees uniform. Doc Gooden. Does not win the Cy Young Award? I'll tell you, you never know, but in my book, he's got to win the Cy Young. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Every stat that he had control of, 
on top, so um, he definitely deserved it after his last start, put a step on it. Now, he's got the lowest ERA in the league, but only 10 wins. How many eggs in the basket do you put into only that, that 10 wins? Is that going to be a factor in, in the decision here? I think it'll play a part. I think Scherzer will probably be a close second. Yeah. But uh, DeGrom, just for his overall numbers, uh, he's got to win. I mean, the team that he had, unfortunately, didn't score runs that particular day. Right. And as a former pitcher of pitches, sometimes you just got to pitch on the right day. It takes a little bit of luck to pitch on the right day. But again, every stat that he can control, he did it. I think getting two tier wins plays a big part. And his last start, Jay shot in his, what, two hitter, three hitter, whatever. Yeah. I think that was it. So yeah. he's now, has he broken any of your records? I, has he? <laughs> he broke a couple, I think. I, I was watching him very closely because I was saying he's getting close to 153 ERA. Yeah. And I was hoping he got like a 154 <laughs> ERA. But uh, he's a good friend. Uh, had a great year. And I was watching him. I started watching him probably right through the whole summer break. Each yeah. start. Yeah. Definitely a big fan of his. And um, wish him all the best. And he's going to be fun to watch this year. Stay yeah. So there's Doc Gooden going to bat for him. I asked Mickey Calloway in the pregame press conference what he thought. The manager, Mickey Calloway, and here's what he said. Hi, Mickey. I'm Dana. My first time here. So um, I know it's a, pretty much a consensus among us in New York sports talk radio. Do you ever see a world in which DeGrom does not win the Cy Young Award? Being who I am and what I know about pitching, I don't see that happening. Um, now, anything can happen because this is uh, you know, not uh, um, always a perfect world. But uh, for, for me and what I've seen out of the, the player uh, and the performer, he deserves it more than anything. He had an historic season, and uh, you know I feel like he's going to win it. And, of course, a historic season. Uh, yes, he has had a historic season. Mickey Calloway is right. Mickey Calloway, by the way, was a pitching coach. The guy knows pitching. And Daryl Strawberry, here's he, here's uh, Daryl Strawberry talking about Degrom making a case for him. Well, he should, for, you know, from the standpoint of his numbers and, and him being so competitive every time he goes out there and takes him out. He's a fine young pitcher, and and I wish him well. Wish him get, well on the votes of, of winning the Cy Young. Now, can we can we get past the, the wins record for him though? Like every saying ten wins, it's not enough to win the Cy Young. Well, I can look past that. Well, you, you can look past that. You know, you can, you got to look at the circumstances. Uh, you got to look at the team that he was on and everything, and that all plays a, a big part of his performance. Can they score runs for him? Because if his ERA is good, then that's what's important, you know. And, and I think a lot of times people don't understand that. It's the best ERA in the league. Well, if he's got the best ERA in the league, it speaks for itself. He just didn't get a lot of offense support behind him. So, and then you heard what Brendan Nimmo said. So there is no world in which Degrom should not win the Cy Young Award in New York. He was the most dominant pitcher in the NL, possibly even in the league. He has to win it. There's no way he's not going to win it. It'd be an actual shock to me if Jacob deGrom does not win the NL Cy Young. Hopefully the voters are on my side as well. The results and the winners will be announced early November, like I said. So if you wanted to read that article, it's probably one of the best articles I wrote on my site, um, prosportsrundown.com. Coming up after the, this quick little pause... I have my my favorite segment, my what the f story of the week. You're never gonna believe this story, never. Boo! Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for what I did to your face. All good. Have a break. Mm. Breaks are good. Have one.
okay, what the f <laughs> Listen to this. Manny Machado. Manny Machado is set to be a free agent. Okay? At the beginning of... Uh, at the end of this season, basically. And... This is a season in which he's earned $16 million. Right now, he's earned $16 million. He's playing in the World Series with the Dodgers. He does a sit-down interview with Ken Rosenthal. Obviously, the guy is expecting a long-term deal, right? He wants the long-term deal. So he gets on, and he sits there, a la Odell Beckham style, with Ken Rosenthal, and he says this. I'm not the type of player that's going to be Johnny Hustle and run down the line and slide to first base. That's just not my personality. That's not my cup of tea. That's not who I am. Are you kidding me? You're going to tell prospective teams that you don't hustle? That it's not your cup of tea to hustle? And you're going to expect them to make you a, a, an offer a la John Carlos Stanton, $300 million contract? And you don't hustle? And you're going to come out and say that you don't hustle? How dumb are you? This guy will be run out of the New York media before he even can do his, his press conference to welcome him to the team. How do you, You're not Johnny Hustle. You don't... What? What kind of work ethic is that? People get on Gary Sanchez, and I am one of them, that gets on Gary Sanchez for not running out ground balls. Okay, and I can see the ground balls that, you know, are comebackers to the pitcher. You don't want to go 100%. Maybe you go 90%. You don't need to run like Brandon Nimmo down the line every single pitch, although I love that. You don't need to do that every single time. But let me tell you something. The, the play that they were referencing, there was an actual play at, the, at first base. He didn't run. And how do you get on TV and say that and expect to be paid handsomely? I, I just, I don't get it. Who says that? I mean, I guess he was upfront about it. I guess there's no buyer's remorse involved with him, I guess. But the sad part about this is that someone, some team out there is going to take him. And for that amount of money. And they're going to just deal with it. And that is a cancer to the locker room. If you want to talk about cancers in the locker room, everybody on Periscope, that that's it. That is it. A guy that doesn't hustle. And the, and the sad part is, yes, he is still going to get paid. Especially if he wins the World Series with the Dodgers this year. That just ups his stock after these idiotic comments that he makes. So let's just hope, for the sake of everybody, well, maybe except for sports talk listeners and callers, you guys would probably like that, that Manny Machado does not end up on a New York team. Because that would be the real circus. And uh, that's all I got for you guys. So uh, thanks for checking me out this week. Next week, I'll be back. I'm a Batman fan, so same bat time, same bat channel. In the meantime, throughout the week, I'm going to post a Giants game reaction tomorrow or probably maybe Tuesday because they play Monday night. So uh, at Twitter, um, Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, YouTube.com slash Coach McCartan, SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan, iTunes podcast, this is going to turn into one. I'm going to turn it into one as soon as I leave here. And www.prosportsrundown.com is the site where you can just 
catch up on all back episodes if you're a new listener, a new viewer. And I'll see you guys next Sunday, same time, same place. Follow me on Twitter, at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search, with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.